Welcome to Two Therapist Tales, a podcast where Jacqueline Sabodi and Anna Zonin work to normalize conversations about mental health. Hello, and welcome back to Two Therapist Tales. I'm Jacqueline Sabodi, and joining me this morning is Kelsey Alpa and Kelly Schultz. Hello. Hi. Hi. Today, we want to get together and talk about May being Mental Health Awareness Month. Both Kelsey and Kelly are graduates of Monmouth University's social work program and specialize in the mental health treatment of children, teens, and emerging adults. They've both worked in a variety of settings, including schools, intensive outpatient, and inpatient psychiatric hospital. They both currently see clients on an individual basis at the Therapy Institute. Kelsey knows that the key to inner peace and happiness is our birthright, and that when her clients feel heard, supported, and understood, that they can truly reach their full potential. Her favorite part of being a social worker is seeing her clients' progress. Kelly believes that all her clients are incredibly resilient and capable of growth. Her favorite part of being a social worker is empowering and guiding her clients towards positive change, and internal growth. Thanks so much for joining. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yes. And happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, just like Social Work Month, I love that there's a whole month dedicated to this <clears throat> um, because it really gives us lots of opportunities to kind of highlight, mm-hmm. you know, yes. what this means and what it's about. Uh-huh. I completely agree. I think um, actually MTV is hosting mm. a Mental Health Awareness Day at the end of May. Are they really? So I, we'll have to look into it, but I yeah. think it's like May 24th. So I think it's great that they're taking their platform and mm-hmm. able to kind of incorporate Mental Health Awareness yeah. Month into TV. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. That's amazing, especially because I feel like when I was younger, um, <laughs> I feel like MTV was like, such a pivotal part of being a teenager. And so if you can like reach that younger audience and mm-hmm, normalize it. Definitely. Oh, I love that you um, knew that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Yeah. I'm interested to see what they'll do this year with COVID, like how they're going to yeah. do activities and mm-hmm. engage fans and mm-hmm. people across the country with yeah. what they can, yes. can do. Yeah. Like how are they going to, is it going to be in person or is it all going to be virtual? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We've all seen that big time this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know this was a, a vulnerable ask on my part, um, but part of, I think, normalizing mental health treatment and, um, you know, making it not like a we and them, like all of us, right, have our own mental health stories mm-hmm. and struggles and um, uh, parts of our experience have been about recovery. Um, so I was wondering if we could share some of our own stories. Um, I'm happy to go first. Um, <laughs> again, just to kind of start to normalize that this, there's nothing wrong and it's totally fine and cool and actually empowering if um, we can all just get down to each other's levels and kind of make this just about being human. So I'll start. Um, my parents had gone through kind of a tumultuous divorce. Um, when I was a senior in high school and I had gone through a tumultuous breakup. Um, I think that a lot of teenagers and young adults can really relate to those first feelings of like heartache and, you know, betrayal and, you know, just how intense um, those feelings can be. And um, I was really struggling at that time, that like cusp of like graduating high school and then entering college, which again is just such an, you know, insane chapter for teens and emerging adults. And so I was kind of catapulted like out of this chapter into the next one, but was really lost and really disconnected from myself and was really struggling with my mental health, like very depressed and struggling with suicidality, anxiety and eating disorder. It was just, it was, it was really, it was really quite a mess. And, you know, I remember feeling quite alone during that time and not having really the words to accurately describe what my internal experience was and had kind of tried out a couple therapists. The first two weren't great. And then I finally found one and it wasn't until the summer into my junior year. So you can imagine like struggling freshman year, mm-hmm. struggling sophomore year, right? Like when we get clients and there's like a high acuity mm-hmm. in the therapeutic space, right? Like we, we like want to get them better. I'm like, oh my God, in hindsight, like I was struggling for quite some time. Yeah. Um, but um, it was through, you know, my work with um, that therapist that I really began to um, recover and find inner peace and really come back to myself and, and found a lot of great healing. Mm-hmm. Um 
Yeah. So anyone else want to follow up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I went on to specialize in this demographic because of that. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. my story is actually very similar to yours. Mm-hmm. I had gone through a really tough breakup. And I think with that breakup, I, my self-esteem was completely crushed. Mm-hmm. My confidence was completely crushed. Mm-hmm. And it was that turning point where you're going into college and it's like this quote unquote supposed to be the best time of your life. And I felt like I was at the lowest point mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what helped me get through that was getting to know myself better mm-hmm. and realizing like, okay, what I went through and what I experienced wasn't okay and it's mm-hmm. not normal and mm-hmm. I need to treat myself with respect and compassion and kindness and then expect that from the people in my lives as well and the relationships that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I completely agree with you and mine was kind of up and down as well where mm-hmm. it's like you go to college and things are great, you mm-hmm. have all these new friends, but it's still – and this is kind of – mental illness mm-hmm. always, but it, it comes back. And then exactly. you're like, I thought I was great. I thought I was yes. doing good. And then it hits you again. Yep. Um, so mm-hmm. that experience though showed me that there will be ups and downs, but you keep pushing through. Like the so only true. way out is through. Oh, yes. So mm-hmm. um, mine was very similar to that. And now I actually appreciate going through that because I yes. know I wouldn't be who I am today and wouldn't have the relationships I have today yes. if I didn't go through the lowest points. Yes. It's so true. And I think that's such an important message, right? Like it's not linear and it's never done, Mm -hmm. you know, and life ends up showing us so many challenging chapters. But if we can anchor ourselves in, well, I got through that chapter and I got through this one and I learned all this, Mm -hmm. this and this about myself, you know, our spirit does end up becoming so much more resilient. Mm -hmm. You know, we we keep building that internal skill of being able to be like, yes, I can get through the grit. Mm -hmm. Just stay with it. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. showing yourself like I thought I was at I was at my lowest point at that time and I pushed through. So mm-hmm. I know I'm capable of pushing through again. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a different scenario or situation, I know I can get mm-hmm. through this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So my story, I guess, I mean, looking back now, I feel like I always like will laugh and say like I've always had anxiety. Like even when I was a kid, I just yeah. was like a very anxious child. But I feel like it wasn't until maybe like high school, early college where I realized like, okay, this is what this is. And there's things that I can do to help myself Mm -hmm. and seek help and everything like that. So, um, I feel like once I really started also, you know, through this career path and in college and learning more, it was kind of also me learning, not just everything that I was doing for school, but learning about myself too and yes. realizing, wow, like this is something that so many people go through and there's, you know, all of these resources available to me. So I feel like that really helped me feel even more inspired to do the kind of work that we do because I feel like, okay, I get it. You know, like I've been through this myself and like you said, it's not linear. So even mm-hmm. though, you know, I personally feel like I'm in such a better place Mm -hmm. than I was back then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that I've seen like a huge change in myself, but that being said, it is, the work is never done. You know, things come up and you kind of always need to be just kind of keeping an eye, I guess, and figuring out what you need to do to just get yourself to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like that has been such a huge part of my journey doing this work. And I think it's what makes each of us, you know, able to connect so well with clients because on some level it's like you see them, you've been there. And I think it just adds another really important piece to it. It does. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm reading um, Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I love it. I'm reading it too. Oh my God. I just started. So many good quotes. Mm -hmm. So many fold the pages. Kelsey, we're going to have to get it for you. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Oh, so good. So she, one of the quotes in it, she says, um, you're not you, you don't feel you're doing the human thing right. Like if you if you're feeling terrible and you're feeling all the things, it's because you're doing it right. Yes. And to like stay in it, like mm-hmm. that. You know, we I think media and society and culture depicts life as it's supposed to be happy and joyous and easy, and everyone's processes look you know so much easier than ours. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, like that's not what it is to be human. You know, mm-hmm. and and to really stay in it. You know, and I think each of our stories really depicts that. Right? It's not as though were these, um, like as, as clinicians, right? Like sometimes we can be like idealized and like we don't have problems or issues, but mm-hmm. no, like we're better for our clients because we've actually, you know, 
came to a place of understanding what we've gone through and, and getting ourselves through it. And, and you know, mm-hmm. Kelsey, like you said, like we can look at someone and say, yeah, like I understand right. where you've been and what you're going through. Yeah. I completely agree. I think that is one of the most important parts mm-hmm. of the therapeutic process mm-hmm. is not being like that doctor to mm-hmm. that person and like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is what's wrong with you mm-hmm. and this is how we're going to fix mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. being just human with them. And I think totally. I said that to you in one of our first conversations, mm-hmm. like that is my approach. Yes. The humanistic approach. Yeah. Yes. And just yes. showing yes. that you're also vulnerable and yes. you also go through feelings. Yes. Of course, you don't want to share ever too much, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just right. being human is yes. so, so important in that yes. therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it makes the client feel so safe and yes. You know, just when you're able to, like you said, without sharing too much, you're just kind of being present with them Mm -hmm. in that moment. I think it just opens it up to feel like, okay, I can share with this person. You know, they're not looking at me from that, like, very stiff approach of not getting it. You know, I'm able to just really open up to this person. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not, it's not about like you're saying, Kelly, like it's not a power dyad where like we're the knowers. Mm -hmm. It's like, if we can use both of our psyches that are in the room, right? Like the experience of our clients and then, you know, our knowledge and experience as the clinician to help resolve some of the presenting issues they're coming in with. And also just like not pathologizing everything. Like you're saying, like Mm -hmm. not like you're, I'm the, you know, I'm the professional and this is, you know, your diagnosis and this, that, and the other. It's just like, how about just like we're human and like life is actually really hard. Mm -hmm. Like it is Mm -hmm. for all of us. And each of our stories are, are layered with, vulnerability and bravery and yeah, resiliency. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about what mental health actually means. Um, you know, again, I think that it's depicted in a very specific way. Um, well, there has been like through this institutionalized lens of, you know, it's, it's illness and it's scary and, you know, it is about pathology, but what, you know, for each of us, what does mental health really mean and and why is there such a stigma around it? To me, mental health is your overall wellness and your overall well-being. It's Mm -hmm. not like this one piece of Mm -hmm. you. It's all of you and everything that you do and encompass every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of my sessions, we talk about the different dimensions of wellness mm. and how we can balance them all out. Mm-hmm. So our overall wellness is in a a fair spot and our mental health is improving because we're working on all of those different mm-hmm. dimensions. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing for me is just the well-being. I love that. So things yes. like you were talking about earlier, like in your process, you were really learned a lot about relationships and, mm-hmm. and your self-esteem and mm-hmm. how you nurture those. And um, it can be things like our job. Like if you're so unhappy at your job and it's literally creating such a toll on your mental health. Like, is that enhancing your well-being? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Family, you know, our community, our culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you look at all yeah. of them and I actually, I have this, um, it's like a pie chart and mm-hmm. there's seven different, seven different dimensions on it and like different questions for each one. So like starting with physical, it's like I, engage in exercise three to five times per week. And then if you feel like you do that, then you fill in the pie chart mm. for that section entirely. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you don't do it at all, then you don't fill it in and et cetera. You go through each question and then it can show you on a visual. Oh, like it creates it? Exactly. Oh, it creates so cool. it on the visual to see mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, I'm doing a really great job with maybe managing my intellectual well-being, mm-hmm. but my physical, my emotional, my uh, occupational is really struggling. That's so cool. So then you can kind of – it. It's digitalized? It's not. Mm-hmm. I just use uh, crayons mm-hmm. with my clients. <laughs> I was just spit the coffee. <laughs> I'm like an idiot that I'm like, oh, what's this computer? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just print it. <laughs> I love that. I love that though. That's, yeah, I really too. feel like that's so true. It's everything. You yeah. know, it's every piece of the day to day. And, you know, even focusing on wellness and not illness. You know, I think when people hear mental health or Mm -hmm. anything related to mental health treatment, it's very, you know, the instant thought is illness, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's not, I mean, yes, there's a lot of illnesses, but I also just feel like it's just your overall wellness and anyone can, you know, work on that. And it's a journey. And I just feel like we all deal with mental health and Mm -hmm. struggles with mental health. We all have our challenges. And so just opening it up to see it from the view of wellness and how we can improve rather than the stigma of having Mm -hmm. an illness. Yeah. 
For me, I think, um, and I was, it was like such like a nerd, <laughs> um, uh, the neurological component, right? So in my office, I have the anatomical brain and I love educating, um, clients just in the fact that this is about brain health, you know, like if we're not, you know, just like you both said, we're not tending to all of these aspects of our life that are about wellness, like how, how healthy is our brain going to mm-hmm. be? So things like, um, you know, dietary, things like um, positive people in our life, things like exercise. If we're not tending to all of those, like how, you know, how healthy is our, our brain going to actually be, right? Exactly. And yeah. yeah. Um, so I like that part of, of mm-hmm. mental health. Um, mm-hmm. And I do agree. It's like it's not just one thing. It's it's the totality of our lives, right? Like we all know a lot about physical health and taking care of our physical health, but why isn't it, you know, the same with mental health? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I was talking to one of my clients about that because she was doing really well and then she stopped using her skills, stopped mm-hmm. being proactive and she fell into a little bit of a slump and she was like, why do I have to keep doing this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if you want to continue to be fit, do you have to keep working out? Do you have to keep eating healthy? She was like, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. If you want to continue to maintain that mm-hmm. uh, better sense of feelings that you have inside, then you have to keep working on it. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's hard sometimes for people to grasp because it's very difficult, right, to face your struggles head on and you want to just be able to forget them and push them to the side. But that's when they start bubbling up again. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I love the analogy. It's like if you, if you, you know, if you stop doing something, then mm-hmm. yes, you're going to stop seeing the results just exactly. like exactly. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, like, Good dental health. Like if you stop like flossing and brushing your teeth, like, well, chances are you're going to have some issues. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then how about stigma? I think this is like, I would like love for this whole, like, there's a stigma against mental health, like just to be like left and like, you know, left in the past decades. But, you know, I think there's, <laughs> there's still stigma. Um, I also think about shame. Um, I love Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's quote around shame. Like shame can't exist when met with empathy. So if we can really normalize these conversations and talk about how it's just about, you know, taking care of yourself. And, and obviously with more acute disorders, um, medication oftentimes can be required and they are chronic illnesses, but they can be like, you can go on to live a very healthy and fulfilling life if you're mm-hmm. taking care of your mental health. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I loved, um, NAMI's theme for mental health awareness month. Um, Kelsey, I love that post you put on the Instagram too. Um, that, yeah, that you are not alone. I was like, oh, I love that. That's so sweet. So um, Nami says that they believe in the healing value of connecting, prioritizing mental health, and acknowledging that it's okay to not be okay. They believe that anyone affected by mental illness can get the appropriate support and quality of care to live ha- healthy, fulfilling lives. Um, you know, and they advocate for a nation where no one feels alone in their struggle. So how do we help? you know, ourselves and um, those we treat and those in our community, family, friends feel less alone? I feel like just through having those conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Because even, you know, like here today, kind of sharing a little bit about our own experiences and just normalizing that this is something we all go through. And I feel like, you know, that could happen on a larger scale or even with our clients modeling to clients what that would look like and just not keeping it a secret, you know, that people go to that people do their work kind of like making it more normal experience for everyone to share. This is what we go through. Absolutely. So storytelling and story sharing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And creating a sense of universality really enhances connection. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, connection is our, is a birthright. It's a biological imperative, just like, you know, air and water and food. You know, when you think about um, animals in the wild, right, like they are, you know, born into these packs, right? Like no one's born alone. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, there's always like, you know, the mom cleaning the baby bird. There's all these little baby birds around. But that's that's the same for humans. We have that same, you know, inherent need to connect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Something that I think about too with stigma and as you both know, I work in a school during the day Mm -hmm. and I think what's really important is infusing like mental health education Mm -hmm. and mental health awareness into our society Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. So 
Like, for instance, in a school, if you're having a tough day, it's great that there's social workers there, great that there's counselors there, but I don't want it to just be like, oh, well, you have to leave class and have to go talk to somebody Mm -hmm. and kind of make it like an abnormal thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to leave because Mm -hmm. you're having a tough day Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. let's infuse that into the classroom. Let's teach social, emotional wellness. Let's have those lessons, character education. So it's it's a part of their everyday Mm -hmm. schedule and routine and everybody's learning about it. Everybody's understanding that we all go through it. So it's not – yes abnormal if you're having a tough time and need yes. to talk. Yes. And and just like you're saying, especially in that school setting, it's like, or even like in, in workplace settings, right? Like that identified unwell person yeah. versus if we could mm-hmm. normalize it as a community mm-hmm. and everyone was taking care of their mental health, would it feel less isolating or less ostracizing to be like, oh, I need to seek those services? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a good Definitely, point. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And starting at a young age, like starting in the schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's always like, right, like kids getting called down to the guidance. It's right. Like, yeah, like getting right. pulled out of class and yeah. And then they have that A on the back of their shirt. Like, yes. oh, they need <laughs> to go talk to someone. And it's right. like, you have that too. Come yes. on. Yes. Plus and, like at that age, you know, like the school age that I feel yes. like could be so damaging, you know, like you're talking about shame, mm-hmm. you know, if that's your first experience that could really impact how willing you might be to reach out in the yes. future. Yes, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like when I had started with my first therapist, like, I didn't have a great experience, and it took me quite some time to then try again. Right. Yeah. So it's such mm-hmm. a good point. Um, you know, really does set you know set the tone for what your um, perspective is going to be on getting help and mm-hmm. the mental health field. I know sometimes, you know, some sometimes therapists don't give us the best uh, rap. I guess I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think also, um, Kelsey, I believe you said this earlier, just kind of like um, when we've gone through things, we can really – and even if we haven't gone through things, like I, you know, I identify as a cisgender, heterosexual female, but, um, you know, when I have clients that are identifying as a different gender or exploring their sexuality, yes, I'm not the knower and I'm not the expert, but they are. And just knowing that I can be in the room and be a person of support and an ally, mm-hmm. that alone right. could communicate so much more you know, to them where Definitely. sometimes like we're the only person in their lives that can, can offer them that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of why we have like such great privilege in our, in our jobs. It's, it's just such a wonderful privilege to be that for, for someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so statistics, again, the nerd in me like loves numbers. So <laughs> <laughs> facts and figures, um, one in five U S adults experience mental illness, um, each year. One in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. Um, I don't, oh, serious versus regular mental illness. Um, one in six U.S. youth age 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. Uh, 50% of all lifetime mental illnesses begin by age 14 and 75% by age 24. Those are really important numbers. Mm-hmm. And suicide, this is a really big thing. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people age 10 to 34. Wow. Yeah. So those numbers alone speak to the need for mental health awareness and normalizing these conversations and encouraging people to really prioritize um, this aspect of their lives. Absolutely. With that last stat, with Mm -hmm. suicide is the second leading Mm -hmm. cause of death among people age 10 to 34, Mm -hmm. that is like Mm mind-boggling because if that were Mm -hmm. a a physical Mm – disease, mm-hmm. all of the research, all of the mm-hmm. efforts, everything would be going into how can we change that Preach. as soon as possible. Yes, For absolutely. Sure. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Right. And yeah. so why is there such a lack of emphasis? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we do this work every day. And I feel like even for us reading these mm-hmm. numbers, it's still just wow, you know, and we're kind of in that every day. So you're exactly right. If it was physical illness or anything else, it's just crazy to see that difference. Yeah. Right. No, I, I felt, you know, kind of that little like pit in my stomach or that sense of like sinking inside. I mean, those, those numbers are staggering. And even like, you know, lifetime mental illness begin by age 14, you know, so who's catching that, right? And most are diagnosed by age 24. Um, and then that, that, you know, suicide is the second leading cause of death among people age 10, as mm-hmm. young as 10. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm like – so, yeah, it's really, really, really tremendous. 
And then how about COVID? I feel like this is, I bring it to every, every podcast. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's it's prominent right it now. Is, yeah. It is. You know, how is COVID impacting these numbers? Obviously, you and I, you know, the three of us don't have statistics in front of us right now, but that's going to be coming out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've, we've all seen, I'm sure, at schools and at the hospital and obviously at the practice, we've all seen this influx mm-hmm. of, of clients um, and people in need and you know, I think the isolation, um, the shift in stability in terms of um, schedules and finances and worrying about our physical well-being has, has really spiked um, an increase in people needing to um, gain support. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I think that, you know, you had said earlier, Jackie, like our tendency is to connect always. Mm-hmm. So that's the natural, you know, we need that. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is the way that we thrive. So mm-hmm. with COVID isolation and mm-hmm. not being connect, I think has just been such a huge mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. everyone's health. And so I think of clients who maybe were struggling before mm-hmm. this, you know, and then kind of mm-hmm. COVID, everything that with it, I think it's had a really, really big impact yes. on everybody. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying too, Jackie, with the kind of the physical fear, Mm -hmm. when you think about maybe a client who needs hospitalization or needs to go inpatient for the stabilization, there's that fear of, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to a hospital right now because Mm -hmm. there's a global pandemic. I don't Mm want to get COVID. Mm -hmm. And like that is such a, like, how do you pick Mm -hmm. between the two? Mm -hmm. You're, mm-hmm. You need psychiatric stability, but you also mm-hmm. are so fearful that you could get catch COVID. Absolutely. It's a, a position yeah. where I wish nobody ever had to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think also um, people are, are more like, you know, for the demographic that we all treat, right? Like um, parents are seeing their kiddos, you know, hour by hour, day by day. And so some things that may have gotten missed just because, you know, people are shuffling here, shuffling mm-hmm. there. I think parents are more aware of like, oh, they're actually really struggling with um, focusing and concentrating. Or, you know, it seems to be that they have a lot more issues with their social relationships than I had maybe thought before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, post-pandemic, whatever that means in our new, new mm-hmm. normal, right, and getting back to whatever life is going to look like, you know, in the summer and the fall and, and next winter, um, I think we're also going to see the, the kind of after effects or the after trauma of, of everything that COVID has done. We've just been in this state of sustained sustained and chronic trauma um, over the last year, almost now a year and a half, which is crazy. Um, yeah. And so all of us know what, you know, sustained chronic trauma can mm-hmm. do to people's brains mm-hmm. and nervous systems and yeah. um you know, their, their functionality. So I'm sure we're still going to be seeing a lot of need, you know, for the next few years to come. And that's why I think yeah, research and longitudinal studies are so important because we have all this data right now of how people were doing during, you know, in the midst of this crisis. And and then we're going to be seeing, I think, just a totally different presentation, Mm -hmm. um, you know, next few months, six months. I agree. And I think also like the long-term Mm-hmm. financial impact mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. right now people pe- people are trying or somewhat getting by with the support of mm-hmm. the government or putting things in place mm-hmm. but what happens when we're mm-hmm. back to quote unquote normal mm-hmm. and that support's not there but people still lost a year and a half of working mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. income yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's such a good point mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I also feel like in recently with some clients of huge increase in like social anxiety mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. been you know little to no socialization getting yep. together with friends, family whatever and now suddenly maybe people are starting to do that again and yes. it's like everyone you know I, I've seen a lot of that lately totally. people realizing but I had social anxiety or I've never had this feeling before mm-hmm. but I'm feeling weird or nervous getting back out there so I totally um, agree I, yeah Yes, I, I so agree. I know even like as people have like come back to the office, I'm like, oh hey, yeah, it's <laughs> so weird, you know. Like, I feel that there's yes. I have quite a few clients who I've never met in person because we're still <laughs> yeah. doing virtual sessions, yes. and I'm like, wow. And the one yes. girl actually I'm seeing in person in a couple of weeks, and I'm yes. like, I can't wait to meet you. Yes. We've been yes. seeing each other for six months, yes. but um, I know, wow, it's so crazy. I know, yeah. I know, I know, and it, it is kind of this 
weird energetic thing that's going on, you know, like I, I feel it myself, like as we start to go out, it's like something feels weird mm-hmm. beneath the surface. I don't know. Is this okay? Right? Like, so it's just a huge adjustment. And I think also, um, again, like kiddos, teens, emerging adults, like all going back to school and some, you know, individuals who have really adjusted and adapted and liked, yes. you know, virtual, I think it's going to be, it's going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just pulled this quote, um, but I think it's like very therapist of us. If you're not sharing it, if you're not sharing it, you're carrying it. So what does it mean to have to, I don't have to, but what does it mean to fight for your mental health and keep, you know, yourself well? Mm-hmm. And what's the, you know, the issues with, with carrying it? I think it's tough because, I mean, fighting for your mental health could mean waking up and literally having no mm-hmm. – not one ounce of yourself wanting to get out of bed mm-hmm. um, and pushing through that and saying, like, I, I have to get up and I mm-hmm. have to take a shower. I mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. drive to work. I, ha- I have this deadline that has to be completed by 5 p.m. tonight. Like, that's fighting for your mental health, mm-hmm. going through what some people see as everyday normal routine but struggling through every single piece of it. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, yeah. one foot out of bed mm-hmm. can feel hard. And, like, even, like, making the bed or brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking too, um, even like having parents like buy into like with teens or emerging adults, like having your parent buy into and understand like I need treatment or, you know, I want to explore medication, like having to be your own advocate. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know f- for all of us, like oftentimes that's our role, right? Like we're the liaison advocate between, um, the family system. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, like when you had said fighting for, doing putting in that work mm-hmm. and you know you would with your client of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why do i the you know why mm-hmm. do i have to work for it or i wish i didn't have to work for it and mm-hmm. i feel like that's a big piece of it too is that kind of coming to that realization that it is work in a lot of ways but it's so rewarding and it's a journey so there's going to be those bumps in the road along the way there's going to be ups and downs but i feel like that's just part of it yes i know i agree Kelsey was thinking of your client to Kelly, like it is, you know, I, I say to clients, it's like, we typically need like seven to 10 like skills. And as soon as you find them, just put them on repeat, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. take your vitamins, move your body every day, like avoid toxic people, like yep. journal, do your gratitude list. Like it actually doesn't take like a lot. You just have to figure out the right ones. Mm-hmm. Like, and then be consistent. And be them. consistent. Exactly. Like don't let up because when you let up, you see a regression. I uh, almost, um, I, I'll use the analogy of like, you know, like the janitor keys. It's like, well, there's all of these skills and I can teach you a hundred. It's your job to figure out like which keys are your correct ones to unlock your, you know, little doors. So true. And I say that to clients sometimes too. It's like not every skill is going to work for you and that's okay. It's not supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. You just have to find what works, Mm -hmm. but you can only find by practicing it and really putting in that effort. Yes. And then when you find them, it's like, oh, okay, like this actually isn't as hard as I maybe Mm -hmm. made it seem. And it is. Consistency I think is is key. Yeah. And even like there's going to be days where it's easy to do your skills do them. And even on the days that you don't want to do the skills, do them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And going back to physically working out, like they say sometimes the best workouts are when you are sore and when you're like, I can't do anymore. Yes. And I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So true. Yeah. I feel like I always use like the toolbox analogy of like you have all your tools in your toolbox and, you know, certain things work for certain, you know, and you have to kind of like you find that balance. And if you're, you know, trying to use this tool for something and it's not working, you know, we try again and kind of just like normalizing that experience of not everything's going to work for you. And Mm -hmm. this might not be your skill, but once we kind of find that balance of what works, we're just going to find ways to incorporate that and make it a routine. Yeah. And also you bring a good, good point, Kels. Like, um, okay. If you're sitting in a meeting, you know, with your boss and it's not going well, you can't go get on a treadmill. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You have your breath with you, Mm -hmm. which is one of the skills that thank God, Mm -hmm. you know, that we always have with us, but you know, like you said, you have to, yeah, you have to know which one to grab, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I'm always like, we always have our five senses and our breath, like at any given moment. Yep. Those Mm -hmm. are, you know, at least with us. Right. Um, Exactly. So I think that this is actually a really important one, especially for kind of like Gen Z. I talk a lot like, 
some of my teens about this. Like, you are not your mental health. You are not your diagnosis. Like, this is not your identity. This is a thing that you are living with and thriving with, right? So I think that Gen Z a little bit can glamorize. I have this, I have that. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, and mm-hmm. and you have this, and you have that also, right? So, um, how can we, you know, as clinicians and encourages of our clients to not really identify with their mental health and more look at it like, how about we make like being well cool versus like I have a mental health issue and that makes me cool, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I- like. Kelsey, you're talking about like, you know, you know, you struggle with anxiety, but it's like, okay. And how do I manage it day to day? Like, right. And not making it so one dimensional, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, if I am this or I am depressed, you know, and rounding it out more to just my overall wellness, or this Mm -hmm. is like what I do. This is what I do to Mm -hmm. help myself Mm -hmm. difficult days. Um, not making it just so, I guess, like labeling in a way, you know, of just this is my disorder. This is what yeah, I'm exactly. going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also think saying like, yes, anxiety is a part of me, but I am a sister. I am a mother. I am a friend. Like recognizing that is what you are. Yes. You are not your anxiety. Yes. It's yes. And it's like, and I, I understand it's hard to kind of, you get caught up in it sometimes mm-hmm. because anxiety or Mm-hmm. Any mental health disorder can become so overwhelming, mm-hmm. but it's like mm-hmm. there's there's more to you than that. Mm-hmm. And let's find that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay. I know. And, and like bipolar disorder is an easy one. Like, oh, that they're so bipolar. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, actually, like, would you say like they are so diabetes? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. right. Um, so it's like, no, like someone may have diabetes. Someone may have bipolar disorder. Like or like, oh, they're so OCD. It's like. No, actually, like that is like a, dis- a disease, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the language is a big piece for sure. Exactly right. Exactly right. And right, and just being like advocates and um, trying to educate, right? Yeah, I think that's a great response to someone, and kind of like working towards ending the s- stigma. Yeah, you wouldn't say, "Oh, you are cancer." You would mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. ever say that to someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless we're talking about their Sagittarius. Their, their yes, exactly. Sagittari- which yeah, I yeah. am. <laughs> you are a cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so just the language education mm-hmm. piece, um, you know, making it more about, well, this is what I do to take care of myself overall versus I'm doing it because I have to. Right. And also being unapologetic about, you know, what you need to do to take care of yourself. Like, yeah, like need to, um, get to bed at a certain point, you know, I need to not be drinking, you know, mm-hmm. four nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be getting up and, and prioritizing moving my body in a way that feels enjoyable. Right. Right. Um, my mom would always say this, the mental health checkups should be just like physical health checkups. They should really put that into, you know, like how kids have like the yearly mm-hmm. physicals, you know, um, so how do we do that? You know, how do we normalize it? Um, Kelly, you had great ideas about, you know, getting into the classroom and normalizing it there. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, like we talked about before, just infusing it into our daily every single day. And like your mom mm-hmm. said, if we <laughs> like having therapists at pediatricians offices, mm-hmm. so you're coming yeah. for your, what do they call it? Not your annual, annual or yeah, whatever yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. Annual physical. Yeah. <laughs> your OBGYN. Annual physical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but okay. You're also going to do a check-in with a mental health professional for a yeah. half hour, like infusing that into our culture, not just being like, oh, you have to go to go to therapy because you have an issue. Yeah. Just the infusion. Yeah. I think you kind of, you know, it's kind of like what you're saying earlier about like MTV, like what platforms can we use? Like even the podcast, like mm-hmm. how can we use, you know, these, these different avenues to um, talk about mental health and make it normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Kelly said, kind of like bringing it in rather than taking the individual totally. out and yes. making them go somewhere, do something extra, right. just like bringing it into everyone's day to day and the regular routines that we all have, you know, mm-hmm. I think would be really great. And I think with that, I I know the three of us work with children and adolescents a lot, but getting the parents on board with that as well. So providing the education to the parents that we need to do Mm -hmm. these check-ins with them, just like we would take them to the doctor if they had a ear infection. Yes. Um, and like doing parent academies or whatever it might be. I love love that. It's so true. I'm just going to say like 
parents also need the encouragement of taking care of their mental health yes. and modeling it. And that becomes like a ripple effect. Yeah, I know. I'm like, how many of these issues are caused by the fact yes. that parents' mental health? Right? Environmental. Like, yes. And generational, you know, traumas and unresolved issues that, you know, are, are just being kind of passed through the genes, but are also, like you're saying, being passed through the environment and, mm-hmm. and the modeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you you know meet that client for the first time in front of you, there's been so much to get to that point. You know, there's so many layers, yes. so many things yes. that have led to that point. So it's very. Yeah. And can I actually come back to the statistics? It's like it, it, a lot of it happened like early, like early diagnosis, like age 14. It's like to your point, like how much has been layered that they've been exposed right. to or that they've experienced at that point that they're now landing in treatment, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, in their DNA and in their gene or in their gene pool or because of what they've been, you know, experienced at home or experienced with their peers or, you know, I think about like our breakups, like that, you know, that when you're at that age, it's like you don't understand these intense emotions and you feel them for the first time, right? Like heartache, some children do experience heartache. Like a parent can break their heart. Like I have one client who said that my, my dad broke my heart. Like he left the family and I'm like, oh my God, like that's heartbreaking. And then, like, in a romantic relationship, like, heartache, you're, you're typically experiencing for the first time in high school. It's kind of, like, pretty developmental. Um, it's pretty developmentally normal for teenage to, to experience that. Um, I'm going on a ramble. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those listening, whether it's clients or parents or, you know, clinicians, what type of advice can we offer um, our listeners and tips in terms of struggling, if you're struggling with your mental health and, um, you know, you want to move more towards wellness and what advice would we offer? I would say, you know, even just being curious mm-hmm. about what your options are, mm-hmm. what what's available. I feel like sometimes, you know, you get that client who you meet for the first time and they're a little, I don't know, on the fence or they're mm-hmm. not sure, you know, about the process or if they're ready at this point. I think just even being curious enough to seek out what are my options? You know, am I able to go to a therapist? Mm -hmm. You know, what's it like? I think that is kind of maybe that first step in order to get the client to buy in and, you know, be able to connect with them that way. Mm -hmm. And I think going off of that, even bringing more awareness to if you're not ready to do Mm one-to-one individual sessions because you're that's a very vulnerable time maybe you start going to groups and you kind of you're not fully ready to share everything but you're seeing other people sharing Mm -hmm. and you're kind of Mm -hmm. exposing yourself to okay these are Mm -hmm. things that i can talk about too Mm -hmm. maybe at some point Mm -hmm. and seeing that you're not alone i can relate to you know I i was just thinking like when i had reached out for the first time and saying like, something's not right. I think trusting yourself too, intuitively, like if something feels off, you know, is some, what's wrong with me? I'm, you know, I'm anxious. Like I'm crying, like I'm irritable, like trust that. And, mm-hmm. and just like you're saying, Kelsey, like be curious, like what is actually going on beneath the surface? Um, right. and Kelly, like you're saying, like go to people that can maybe relate or mm-hmm. understand or have gone through it before and could offer you, you know, insight or, you know, can share about their experience. Um, and I think that when we start to do that, what we end up finding out is we're all a lot more similar, you know, than we maybe think. Like, I, I think like social media depicts that everyone's life is like mm-hmm. glamorous and beautiful and easy. And it's like in actuality, like if we can just be comfortable saying that again, like life is hard and, and we all have struggle and this is how I get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be again, easier to reduce some of the shame and stigma associated with receiving help and, and asking for it. And I also think it's important that some people are like, well, I'm not quote unquote that bad. So mm-hmm. I don't need to go to therapy or like, mm-hmm. I haven't had a, a death in my family, mm-hmm. so it's not traumatic. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to wait for it again to quote unquote, get that bad mm-hmm. before you seek help. Absolutely. So it can just be some right. minor things that you're going through that you're like, hey, I think I need mm-hmm. a third party to kind of talk me through this. Exactly like that's right. totally okay. Yeah. And I think I hope, you know, generationally that's becoming yes. more normalized. Um, I think that, you know, my generation and generation above mine and, you know, younger ones are really normalizing that therapy is cool, which mm-hmm. I actually think is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mental Health America, they made their theme for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, um, Tools to Thrive. 
to provide practical tools that everyone can use to improve their mental health and increase increase their resiliency regardless of their personal situation. So I thought it'd be cool to talk about what exact type of tools we use personally or encourage our clients to use. And, you know, what about um, just individuals that maybe don't have access to therapy, whether it's, you know, financial limitations or physical limitations? Um, what kind of, you know, very concrete tools can we um, suggest? I know we've talked about exercise and diet and positive people and, um, oh, my brain's slipping. We've talked about it a lot today, but um, oh, I, our breath is always with us in our, yeah, our five senses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I thought it was funny when you said that before, because I knew this was going to be a topic. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things mm-hmm. that I always suggest is mm-hmm. the five senses because, mm-hmm. and what I say to my clients is that's something you can use anywhere mm-hmm. and nobody has to know you're doing it. So like you said, mm-hmm. if you're at a table with your boss and you're mm-hmm. starting to feel overwhelmed, mm-hmm. okay, let me see the, f- what are five things that I see right now? Mm-hmm. What are four things that I feel? And you can mm-hmm. go through that. Mm-hmm. If you're in the middle of class and you don't feel comfortable going for a walk, you mm-hmm. can do that. So that's mm-hmm. like a universal skill that mm-hmm. is wonderful. And for those that aren't familiar, it's a grounding technique. Mm-hmm. So if you're mm-hmm. worried about something either in the future or in the past, mm-hmm. that helps bring you back to the present moment. Exactly right. To decrease those feelings. Um, you both have been in my office, but I love the plants and as do clients. And so I'll say, like, can you identify one thing in the room that you love? And a lot of them will look at the plants and look out the window and we'll say, I love the plants, you know, mm-hmm. and exactly like it. And it's something tangible and the plants have to be cared for and you know, spoken to kindly and watered. Right. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I do agree. And again, it's always with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And even I love like when you had said, like, what are some tools that we can you know, tell people if you're not in therapy or it's not an option for you, but you still want to be doing Mm -hmm. your own work and Mm -hmm. going through this journey. I feel like the first thing I thought of was even journaling, right? Mm -hmm. Like journaling can be a powerful tool and that can maybe serve as an outlet for some people that don't have access. So um, I think that can be a really healing part. Yes. Also, I also really love um, the work of Dr. Nicole Lapira right now, um, how to do the work. And she, her whole theory and philosophy is that we are our own self healers. And so she has a book out and she's really, um, got a great Instagram following. Um, but it really is about how do you come back to your sense of self and your intuition and how do you, you know, how do you do this work, Mm -hmm. you know, with, you know, you being the expert. And I think that's a really beautiful message. Um, a tool I was going to say was I like the, um, the idea of, um, elimination in addition um, so eliminate things that aren't serving your best and highest self and add things that are. So, you know, I know like our office is really on that beautiful campus and, and when time allows, I just go 10 minutes and just like go take a walk because mm-hmm. it's beautiful where we work and the birds are chirping and it's peaceful and there's nature and elimination. It's like, okay, like get off the phone for 10 yes. minutes. So just mm-hmm. small little tweaks, like, and, and intuitively trusting, like, if I move towards this thing, does it help me feel good? Or if I move towards this thing and I can feel myself getting a little bit anxious or irritable inside, like maybe I need to just, again, you know, that word of curiosity, Kelsey, be curious, like what's happening and why is it happening? Mm-hmm. And just kind of uh-huh. trusting ourselves. Yeah. And again, like these are, these are everyday things. Like they don't, they don't cost much. They don't, they don't require a lot of time or dedication or, you know, education. Like we can all do these, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. I think that's huge with the phone. Mm -hmm. Like even if you're saying, okay, I'm going to cut down my phone time by 10 minutes Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Like you do that every day and then you Mm -hmm. start increasing to 20 Mm -hmm. minutes. Mm -hmm. I think you'll really, people will feel that impact and the benefit from it. And with intention. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is for my wellness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the addition piece. So eliminating that phone time and then adding, you know, I'm going to go for a walk in that time or I'm just going to journal for 10 minutes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Replacing it with, yes. you know, be really helpful. Yes. Yeah. And again, these are just like little simple rules. And I think also like adding things on. So like a habit that we all hopefully do is like brush our teeth. So like right. while you're brushing your teeth, like could you repeat a really nice mantra to yourself? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like just like adding on to the, the things that we're already doing. Like I'm going to, uh-huh. I'm going to walk my dog and I'm going to intentionally not bring my phone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw a really cool thing recently that I've been sharing with clients of like affirmation breakfast. And so just preparing your breakfast or eating breakfast in the morning, like that's kind of your time to 
have your affirmations, you know, just kind of like take that moment for yourself and setting the tone for the day. I and I that. thought that that really cool. Right. Cause a lot of the time, you know, you're rushing out the door, you're like trying to figure out where you're eating and just yes. kind of making the moment so much more intentional yes. and setting the tone. So yes. something even as small as that really, I feel yes. like can have huge impact. Right. And you're doing it anyway. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's something I I love affirmation breakfast Mm -hmm. and I'm totally going (laughs) to incorporate that as well. But like kind of based off of COVID, I've Mm. had some clients who say like, well, I just roll out of bed and then I like automatically log on to work or Mm -hmm. I just log on to school and they're skipping that whole breakfast piece entirely or they're Mm -hmm. staying in their pajamas because they don't have to put on Mm -hmm. different clothes or they're Mm -hmm. not taking a shower because they're not seeing anyone. Mm -hmm. So being intentional and I'm going to wake up and have breakfast, do my affirmations, take a shower all before I have to log into class or to work, I think is really, really important. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that when you don't do those routines, you start sliding even more. Yeah. And I think also like, I think for a lot of people, like people don't, a lot of people don't wake up in a good mood. Like it takes, mm-hmm. it requires effort. Like I always tell clients, if you don't wake up feeling, you know, content or neutral, don't let your two feet hit the ground until you do a gratitude list because a gratitude list can easily shift. Mm-hmm. I always feel, and all of us have things to be grateful for. I'm grateful for the blanket that's on my on me right now. I'm grateful for two legs that are going to allow me to climb out of this bed. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for my pet. I'm grateful for the fact that it's not raining. You know, like there's yeah. there's always at least 10 things. Yeah. Cool. Again, thank you both enough for joining. This is so great. Oh, thank, yeah, thanks so much for having us. Awareness Month, yeah. Uh, next time on Two Therapist Tales, please join us as we celebrate Pride Month. And our closing quote is from Russell Wilson. If we start being honest about our pain, our anger, and our shortcomings, instead of pretending they don't exist, then maybe we'll leave the world a better place than when we found it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast should not be used as a substitute for therapy or mental health treatment. Please reach out to a licensed professional or facility if you are struggling and need to talk to someone.